Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. Well, welcome to Cross Lane this morning, and welcome to a new little two-part series that we begin this morning called Reboot, uh, a guide to transforming your life. And so, uh, you know, you're, you, what I've discovered in life is you're on one side or the other in a lot of different uh, categories. There are a lot of things that you would say, you know, I'm, I'm on this side or I'm on that side. You may not think so, but if I run you down a list of things, you probably would you would fall on one side or the other. Like if I said Coke or Pepsi, but let's let's take a a a look at some of these. I think we've done this before, but this is always fun. Let's start with an easy one. Do you like mustard on your hot dog or ketchup? That seems to be a dividing line. Some people like one, some people like the other. Maybe you're somebody that that is a hybrid and does them both. Maybe you're somebody that says I don't want either one of those things on my hot dog. But most people have an opinion about this. Um, your salvation may depend on this next one, I'm not sure, just depending on what the answer is, so consider your answer very, very carefully. Are you a square, dunce, square donuts person, or are you a Krispy Kreme person? Now, now think about that before you answer, because God is watching you, okay? <laughs> he's, he's, he's paying attention. Uh, how about music? Are you an acoustic guitar person, or do you like songs with electric guitars in them? You know, you probably have an opinion on that. There's, you know, there's all different kinds of music. Um, but do you like the acoustic or do you like the electric uh, guitar? And then this fourth one, really, if you're not from Cincinnati, this may not be a big deal to you. I'm from the Cincinnati area, and so this is a huge deal to me. In our neck of the woods, one of the great debates is whether or not you eat Gold Star Chili or Skyline Chili, and I am a Skyline guy through and through, and you may have seen on my social media pages from time to time that I sit down to a nice three-way that's a, that's a treat for me whenever I get to do that. So I'm a Skyline guy. And then this next one, you know, again, if you're a computer user and you've used them for quite a while, you probably have an opinion on this. There are Apple users, or Mac users we might call them, and then there are those of you who are Windows people, and you know that line is pretty firm. There, I don't find too many people that use both. They usually use either one or the other. Now, I am a proud Mac user and have been for quite some time now. Uh, Tracy, on the other hand, differs from me, and he prefers a, a, a PC uh, and Windows over a Mac. And so we, we um, very uh, cordially uh, jab one another once in a while about our computers and you know when when one's having trouble or the other's having trouble we'll say well if you were using a Mac or if you were using a, a Windows machine you wouldn't have that issue he faithfully orders a new PC whenever it's time for him to get a new computer he goes out he orders a new PC and and that's what he goes after me on the other hand when it's time for me to get a new computer I go to the Apple store I order up the system I want I, I get that computer in and that's what I use and he's happy <laughs> and I'm happy um, PC Mac is one of the many areas of life where I think you know you find a dividing line with people now some of these are fun and some of these you know we don't get too worked up about others of these you may have some things in your life where people argue about things certainly politics would be one of those areas but there are plenty of places where you find yourself on one side of the line or the other there's a phenomenon that occurs though going back to the Mac and the PC thing there's a phenomenon that occurs whereby your computer will freeze up or, or kind of act up uh, I remember this as a Windows user I don't experience this a whole lot as a Mac user but I remember the days of using a, uh, a Windows machine 
And, you know, the, the machine would start to act up and, and error messages would start to stack up on the screen and it always made my, my heart race a little bit. My, my heart would beat a little faster and a little stronger and, and um, you know, these error messages would pop up. It wouldn't want to run right and, and uh, something quirky would happen to it and I couldn't really figure it out. When this happened, I had a couple of options. There were a couple of things that I could do to to see if I couldn't rectify the problem. The first thing that I would do is, and I'm sure you probably know about this, you know about Control-Alt-Delete, right? That's a kind of a reset thing. You hit Control-Alt-Delete all at the same time and you can kind of restart your machine and, and you know, it's a kind of a shutdown mechanism. So that would be where I would start. But sometimes if that didn't work uh, and that didn't take care of the problem, I would go to Plan B and Plan B was to just simply um, depress the the start button or the the on off button on the computer and just hold it down until it went off you know that was and so w what we would call a hard reset um, you would just hold down on that and just wait for the thing to to shut off and then you would hit it again and it would restart and um, you know we would call that a reboot and I, I've discovered in life especially with electronics especially with things that that um, you know have wires and lights and screens. It's it, when you run into trouble with those. Once in a while, you have to do that with your phone. You know, you just kind of have to shut your phone completely down and restart it. Once in a while, you have to go through and and fill and get rid of a lot of the programs that have you've used that are up and running. It's just good practice once in a while to reboot your system. Uh, certainly, that's true with a computer or with a, a cell phone, and it's it's true in life. People are like that. Uh, life is complicated. There are a lot of different programs that we have running in our life, run, uh, you know, in our brain, in our body. We've got a lot of stuff that, that we do day to day. We've got a lot of stuff going on in our world. And after a while, the programs can kind of put you on overload. You can be involved in so many things, have so many things going at the same time that you start to get error messages in your brain. And when that happens, you need a reboot, you need, you need to be refreshed, you need kind of a, a fresh start, and you will likely need more than one of those reboots in your life, and you will need them in areas of, you know, such as your career, and your marriage, and your education, and your finances, and, and that is what Jesus Christ came to do, and that's what we want to talk about in this little series that we're calling Reboot. At Cross Lane, uh, you know, we have a, a a vision of changed lives. We, we you know, intend to um, do that through our mission of bringing people to Jesus. Uh, we believe that the closer we can get you to Christ, the more your life is going to change. And, and everything we do in this church is about seeing lives changed by getting people as close to Jesus as we can get them. We are in the changed lives business here. That the transformation of lives, helping people to become what God has always intended for them to be, helping them to discover what it is that God's calling them to. Cross Lane is not about buildings. Cross Lane's not about size or music. We're not about clothing. We're not about trying to be cool. We are completely about changed lives, letting God remake us into what he wants to make us. And at Cross Lane, when it comes to transformation, hundreds if not thousands of people over the 40 plus year history of our existence have been able to have their life transformed by Jesus uh, with, with the help of the people here at Cross Lane, by, by being in community and by you know, hearing messages and going on trips and doing mission work and things like that. Many of you could tell your own story 
of transformation, how Christ, you know, Christ changed my life and transformed my life uh, as I came to Cross Lane. Uh, what is the definition of this word reboot? A reboot is an act or an instance of shutting down and restarting something. This is something that Jesus specializes in. Jesus is an expert in helping us to start over and giving us a fresh start. Um, you know, I talk often now about our core values, and it's important that you know what our core values are. If you were to take the word Christ and, and make an acrostic out of that, each, each letter stands for a particular thing, which is a core value for us. The C stands for compassion for lost people. The H stands for humility. The R, I told you a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the R. The R stands for real. We, we believe in being real and authentic. The I stands for irresistible grace, and that's really what we're talking about today, this idea that, that Jesus wants to give you a, a fresh start, and, and that happens through his irresistible grace. And then the S stands for simplicity, and the T stands for total acceptance. This is a place for imperfect people. We don't have any illusions about you as you've walked in here this morning. If you're a visitor, and you're walking in, and you're, you're thinking, man, I hope they don't find the real me today, you can just relax because we know that you're just like us. You make mistakes. You mess up. That, 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 you, know, you don't always get it right. And there are times that you just need to refresh and reboot. And you definitely need, as, we do, as do we all, the irresistible grace of Jesus. There are gobs of verses of Scripture about God wanting to help you have a new beginning in your life. There are, there are all kinds of Scriptures that talk about um, you know, getting a fresh start and, and starting over and grace and being forgiven. And I'm going to spend uh, a lot of time in the next two weeks going over verses like that so that you can see what it is that God has to say in this regard. Um, in Ephesians, we read this in chapter 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says once you've invited Jesus into your life and you put your trust in him, there is a process of growth that you go through. You, 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 you begin to change. You begin, begin to become something different. There's a, there's a becoming. There's a, a rebooting uh, in every area of your life. And he likens it to clothes. He says, you know, there's a part, part of it is there's certain clothes you take off. You know, sometimes when your clothes are old and smelly and you've sweated in them and, you know, you've, you've spent a whole day in them, it's time to take those clothes off and, and put them in a pile where they can go and be washed. And then you put on new clothes that smell good, that feel good. And, and you know, it's just, it's a, it's a good thing. It's, it feels good to change out of those old clothes into something more comfortable, something that smells nicer, something that feels nicer on your skin. So today, I wanna to give you four steps to prepare you for a reboot in your life. Because um, we all need to think about, you know, what is it that God wants to redo? How, how does God wanna refresh me? What, you know, where, where does God want me to reboot my life? Start, first thing that we wanna think about when we think about a reboot is start asking God to do something new in me. Start asking God to do something new in me. And you're not just gonna ask him to do it one time, you're gonna ask him to do this uh, several times. You're gonna ask him more than once to do this. Repeatedly make your request 
to God. <laughs> I have three kids, and my youngest is a girl. Her name was Delaney. She's married now and lives in Tennessee. But I remember there was one Christmas where, you know, back when you used to get the J.C. Penney catalog or the Sears catalog, you know, the wish book. You remember the wish book? And um, I remember one time Delaney, it was Christmas time. It was, we were leading up to Christmas. And Delaney came in in her PJ. She had her little nightgown on, and she climbed up on the sofa next to me, and she had the Sears wish book in her hand. And she was kind of looking through there, kind of figuring out what Santa might want to bring to her. And um, she was going through the toys section, and she got to the, you know, there's a section where they have the little girls' toys, the dolls and the dollhouses and things like that. And she was going through down the page, and she, would, she was saying, got it, got it, want it. Got it, want it. <laughs> so I just, I got, I got so tickled. Uh, but I was very interested in what she wanted Santa to bring her, so I paid attention. And and one of the things that we found out with our kids is that you know when you're little you want everything, right? You go into a store and you just want everything. But a good parent, um, they really pay attention to the things that get requested a lot of times. The things that got asked for a lot, those were the things that made their way to the top of the list, right? And you said to yourself, okay, they really want this. Well, that's kind of what's going on um, with God. He, you know, he's, if you request something over and over and over again, what you're doing is you're showing him you're serious about it. You're showing him, hey, this matters to me. This is important. Um, you know, you ask yourself, Brett, is it is, I mean, is it okay for me to repeatedly ask God for a reboot in my life? Absolutely it is. Listen to Revelation. I'm making everything new. That's what God says. This is what Jesus does. He transforms lives. So if, you, if you're tired of the old way of life, if there's something going on with you that you're like, you know what, I don't like this. I, I, this has got to change. This is causing problems in my life. Um, you know, we need to give some attention to this. Jesus is the person you come to to make those changes happen. You know, a great prayer that you could pray is the prayer that David prayed in Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, David asked God to create in him a new heart, a clean spirit, to do a new work. And I love this verse from uh, that passage. This is from the message translation. It's a little different. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Now, who, who needs that verse this morning, right? I mean, that, that's a verse that would be well, be well worth memorizing. That's something that would make a difference for you if you could memorize that verse. This verse becomes even more significant when you realize that David wrote this after stealing another man's wife and having that woman's husband murdered. And you're like, you know, really, Brett? That's the context for what he just wrote there? Absolutely. That, I mean, that's the two biggies. That's adultery and murder. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Um, you know, what does that tell us about God? It tells us that uh, there's something amazing going on um, when it comes to God and what he wants to do in terms of a reboot for us. It tells us that we're never too far gone to receive God's grace and forgiveness. You cannot sin beyond God's willingness and capacity 
to forgive you. Did you know that? You cannot sin beyond God's willingness and capacity to forgive you. God, do something new in me. I've messed up so badly. I've done this and this and this, and, and I, I just I need a fresh start. Can you give me a fresh start? I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've done it with. I don't care how many times you've done it. I don't care how long it's been going on. You can have a fresh start and a life reboot if you'll come to God and you'll just simply say, God, I need a fresh start. I, I need you to do a new work in me. I'm carrying so much baggage. I'm carrying so much sin, too many regrets. Listen, your past is your past. It's over, okay? Stop worrying about what you've done in your past. Yes, you did some dumb things. Yes, you did, okay? We've all done dumb things. You can't change that. You are a product of your past, but you are not a prisoner of your past. You have been shaped by the good things and the ugly things in your life. That's what makes you who you are today as you sit and listen to this message. But you are not a prisoner to that. You can change. Things can be different. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That is what Christianity is all about. You can reboot. You get a second chance. New life. New freedom. I want you to listen to what God says about your past in Isaiah 43. Forget what happened before and do not think about the past. Look at the new thing I am doing and I, look at the new thing I am going to do. It is already happening. Don't you see it? In other words, God's saying, don't you see what I'm going to do in you? There is a rear, view, a rear view mirror in your car, and it's there for you to take a glance once in a while to see what's going on behind you. It's a good thing to know and be aware of your surroundings and your circumstances. But if you are constantly driving your car and looking in the rearview mirror, it is a matter of time before you crash into something and you hurt either yourself or someone else. The rearview mirror is not put there so that you look at it all the time. In fact, I would tell you that the rearview mirror is as small as it is to send you a message that that's, you, you look at that a little bit, you look forward a lot, right? We look through the, the windshield. We look ahead. We want to we wanna pay attention to what's going on. You can drive more effectively when you see what's out in front of you and you're looking forward. My dad was a, a truck driver for many years. He retired as a truck driver. I think that, you know, in my lifetime, that's all I ever knew my dad as was a truck driver. And, um, you know, when you drive a truck professionally, there's certain things you learn. And, and I was always amazed by his ability to see. When, whenever I, he, I was driving with him, he saw so much. And one of the things that he was constantly preaching to us kids when we started to drive was, and it's a tendency for all of us, I think, we have a tendency to just drive beyond the end of the hood, right? We have a tendency to just look a car or two ahead of us, not my dad. We would be out on the interstate, and my dad would be able to see things a mile ahead. You know, the, the interstates go up and down, and you can see the hills. You can often see far in the distance. And my dad would many times say, Brett, you need to get over in the left lane. And I would say, how do you know that? And he'd say, well, look up there. And I hadn't even seen what it was that he was looking at. He constantly drove with his eyes a long way up the road. And, and that's one of the things I've had to learn. I think most people have to learn when they start driving is you can't just drive uh, looking just a little beyond the hood of your car. You've got to look uh, ahead. You've got to look into the future. Um, your past is your past. So 
the first step to, to a reboot in your life is to start asking God to do something new in me. Do you know why nothing new happens in your life right now? It's probably because you're not asking for it. James says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. Have you ever asked God for a reboot in your life? God, I need a, I need a fresh start. I've blown it. I've made a big mistake. Uh, maybe you've made big mistakes, plural, right? I need a fresh start. I need a reboot. I need you to do something new in me. I, we need to start over. This week, I want you to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray this every day of the week. Here's what I want you to pray. God, I would like for you to do something new in me. I would like for you to do something new in me. Pray it every day this week. Start asking God to do something new in you. Second thing I want us to do is you've got to pinpoint specifically what I want changed in, my, in me. Right? You've got to pinpoint exactly what it is. Nothing becomes transformed until it becomes specific. God, I want you to change me. And God's going to say, okay, specifically, what is it that you want changed? What, what, is it, what do you want to, to work on? So you can't change a generality. You have to clarify things. You have to identify. You have to decide where you want to be different. Let me be Mr. Obvious for a minute. But you cannot solve any problem until you identify what that problem is is you say duh brett i mean no kidding well exactly i know yeah you have to get specific with god god here's what i want your help changing in my life this is an area for me that is difficult this is something that i need to make a move and i need to make a change in let me ask you this question do you know the problems in your life or are you just oblivious to the things that are wrong in your world here's what i can promise you <laughs> Your spouse knows what it is. Your husband or your wife knows what it is. I'll bet you that if you were to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with your best friend, your best friend knows what it is. You have to admit that they are problems before you can change them. You, you know, you can't say, oh no, I'm not a procrastinator. I'm not a gossip. I don't have a drinking problem. I'm not a meddler. The more specific you are with God about what needs to be changed, the easier it will be and the easier and the faster all the changes are going to take place. Listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Look closely at yourselves. Test yourselves to see if you are living in the faith. I'm going to put before you a, a, a list of, of different things that could be uh, in need of a reboot in your life. Just look through that. There's connection to God. There's health and body and priorities and relationship and energy level and career and thought life and marriage and routine, habits. I mean, any of these things could use a reboot maybe for you. Parenting, time and schedule, confidence, self-confidence, finances, dreams. Just think about connection to God for a moment. Has there ever been a time that you were closer to God than you are right now. If so, then you need a reboot in your life. If you would look at your life and say, you know what, there was a time I was a lot closer to God. Then what that's telling you is that you need a reboot. Do you need some help with your health? Maybe that's an area where you just go to God and say, God, I, I, need, I need your help in this area of my life. Are your priorities out of whack? You probably need a reset. What about your thought life? You say, you know, I'm having thoughts that I don't like. I'm, I'm I can't control them. Some things scare me. Well, then you need a reboot. You should be talking to God about a reboot in your life. Maybe some of you, it's marriage. And you say, you know, 
we just need some help. Here's what I can tell you. No marriage stands still. You're either getting better as a married couple or you're getting worse as a married couple. And, and if you're getting worse, then you need a reboot. You need to ask God, refresh us, reboot us, help us to figure out how to make this new again. Help us to figure out how to make our marriage better. Maybe you need to reboot a relationship with one of your kids. You know, maybe there's been some misunderstanding or something that's gone wrong, and you just you need a, a fresh start with one of your kids. Maybe you should talk to God about that. Schedule. Maybe you need to talk to God about your schedule. Here's what I can tell you. It's a lot easier to get into things than it is to get out of things, right? It's a lot easier to say yes than it is to say no. And we oftentimes, when it comes to our schedule, we overschedule ourselves. Maybe you need to have a reboot with God where you say, God, change this in me. Help me to figure out a way to manage my time and manage my schedule in a better way. Now, before I move on, there's a select group of you that I need to speak to, and that is those of you who just went through that entire list, and you would say, nope, I'm good with all those. Really? <laughs> Really? You looked at that whole list, and there was nothing that needs to change? There's not, you've got all those things are working perfectly in your life. You're, you're that perfect. You're in such denial that you couldn't find a single box to check. There's nothing for you that you would say God needs to do a reboot in you. Here's what Scripture says. Scripture says, the heart is deceitful above all things, which means you lie to yourself more than you lie to anyone else. So if you didn't check a single thing on that list that I just showed you, I have a verse of scripture. This is what God would say to you. This is Romans chapter 12. Do not think you are better than you are. You must decide what you really are by the amount of faith God has given you. Trust me, you are not perfect. You've got something that needs to be rebooted in your life. We know it, God knows it, you know it, but you're rationalizing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go to God and say, God, this needs to change for me. This is something that I need you to, to refresh and reboot. So we've talked about starting to ask God to do something new in me. We've talked about to, to pinpoint specifically what I want changed in me. Number three, find some people to support my reboot. Find some people to support my reboot. You can't do this by yourself. If you could, you would, but you can't, so you don't. You, you haven't done it because you've tried before and it didn't work. You need some people around you to help this stick. God has wired us so that we don't do things in a vacuum. God has wired us um, so that we don't really get fully healthy until we've got other people around us to help us. That requires humility. You need other people. It takes humility to admit that you need other people. As long as you think you can do it on your own, you're, it's never going to work. Ecclesiastes says this. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And then if you were to go back a couple of verses, you would see this, verse 10. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. See, you will fall in your reboot. Here's the thing, we, we know this. Life is a series of just you know, falling down and getting back up. It's, it's, 
We fail and we fall and we make mistakes and we dust ourselves off and we keep going. You're not perfect. None of us are. We don't, we don't go through life like, you know, robots. We're, we're not robots. We make mistakes. We do things wrong. And in our desire to be a different kind of man or a different kind of woman, we're going to fall and we're going to make some mistakes. You need people in your life who will love you through those mistakes. You need people in your life who, when you fall, they will love you through that. Community is God's antidote to discouragement, defeat, and failure. Romans chapter 12 says it like this. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We need each other. Do you realize that as a part of the family of Christ, you belong to me? and I belong to you. This, th- this is your family. This is a, a spiritual, eternal family. Your physical family is not going to last as long as this family will last. Do you realize that? See, here's the thing. That's why gossip and backbiting and, and, and things like that are so disappointing uh, in the body of Christ because you're my brother, you're my sister. If someone messes with you, what they're doing is they're messing with me. If someone starts in on one of us, we should defend our brothers and sisters. And we should never be the ones who are, are putting down our brothers and sisters. Why would we do that? That's, you, know, you wouldn't do that with your own brother or your own sister. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see that the day of the Lord is coming nearer. I am so proud of so many of you, and it's been obvious in the last couple of weeks. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about come back to church. You know, you need to, you need to make a, a, a fresh commitment to being in church on Sunday morning, and it is clear and it is obvious around here that many of you have decided to do that, and I am so proud of you for making that decision. You need this family of believers around you. You're better for it. We're better when you're here. And so I just can't commend you enough for making the decision to come back to church and to be involved and to surround yourself in the community again. We are your family. We are your spiritual brothers and sisters. And we need you and you need us. So number one, start by asking God to do something new in me. Number two, pinpoint specifically what I want changed in me. Number three, find some people to support my reboot. And then number four, eliminate anything unhelpful or unhealthy. Look at this from Hebrews 12. We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back. If you've ever gone on a diet, (laughs) you know what he's talking about. Because when we go on a diet, if you're going to successfully diet, when you start a new diet, the first thing you do is you get into your refrigerator and you take everything out that you shouldn't eat, right? You clean out the refrigerator and you have only healthy options in there, only options that support your diet. Then you go to the cupboard and you take everything out of the cupboard, all the cookies, all the sweets, all the chips, all the things that you're not supposed to eat, You take those things out, you remove those so they're not an option for you, and in their place, you put things that are going to support what you're trying to do with whatever diet you're on. What I'm saying is, you eliminate the junk. That's what what God wants us to do. 
What's true of your stomach is true of your mind. If you want to change your life, you may need to eliminate something. Maybe for you it's cable. It might be some kind of subscription. It might be some activity that you're involved in that's just simply not good for you. Did you know that depression is at an all-time high for teenagers and people in their young 20s? Did you know that? And you hear that and you ask yourself, why would depression be so high in that age group? And it's because they are the highest consumers of social media. And when you're on social media, one of the things that happens is you are constantly being compared to everybody else. You see what these people are doing. You see what this person just bought. You see where this person went on vacation. You see the house this family just built. You see this swimming pool. You see these clothes. You see this guy with this girl. And you see all that stuff and you think, well, that's better than what I've got. And now we start to get jealous and we start to compare and we start to feel left out and and, and they, they don't feel like they measure up. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. We must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that just won't let go. And we must be determined to run the race that is ahead of us. We must keep our eyes on Jesus who leads us and makes our faith complete. Here's the question. What do I need to get rid of or let go of? A relationship that isn't good? A friend who's dragging me down and really isn't behaving like a friend but is behaving more like an anchor in my life? Here's what I can tell you. If I'm up here and you're down there and we are in a tug of war and I'm trying to pull you up and you're trying to pull me down, who's going to win that? Eventually the person who's lower is going to win that. It is much harder to pull someone up than it is to pull someone else down. That's why it's really important to pay attention to the people you hang out with. Listen, if there are bad people that are trying to pull you down, pray for them, love them, invite them to church, but your closest friends should be people who are constantly trying to lift you up. Your your closest friends should be people who aren't trying to sabotage your life, who aren't trying to pull you down into something you don't belong in. Your closest friends should be people who are encouraging you to be the best version of you you can be, and the best version of you is going to be tied to God and tied to his church and tied to a community that loves you. That's what this church family is. It is a family that loves you and wants the best for you. I preach this to kids all the time. I just did a little thing last week and was talking to some little kids, and I told them this. It is so much easier to make bad friends than it is to make good friends. It's easy to make bad friends. Uh, Bad people aren't as discerning as good people are. It's hard to make good friends because it's hard to get close to good people because good people are discerning, and they're going to make sure you're a good person before they let you into the circle. That's not a bad thing. That's why it's harder to make good friends than it is to make bad friends, but it's important that you make the right kind of friends. I told these little kids this last week. You will go as far in life as the people with whom you surround yourself. That is a huge decision you make in your life, and it's one that we basically work on every day. The people that you surround yourself, what kind of people are they? Are they people that are going to support these changes that you want to make, or are they people that are going to make fun of you? Are they people that are going to put you down? Are there people that are going to try to sabotage the good decisions that you're trying to make? What do I need to let go of? It may be that you need to let go of a friend 
who is not good for you. It might be that you're, you're reading something that's not good for you. It's causing anxiety. It's causing you to want certain things. It's, 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 it's making a difference somehow in your world. Only you know what those things are in your life that are unhealthy and need to be eliminated. What, what will you do about that? When you isolate something and you say, you know what, this needs to go, will you have the guts to get rid of that? What unhealthy thing do you need to eliminate in your life? Colossians chapter three says this, you used to live according to selfish desires when your life was dominated by them. In other words, it's just me, me, me. Everything was about me. You know, what, what am I gonna get? What, what's this mean for me? But he goes on, verse eight. But now you must get rid of all these things, anger, hot temper, and hating others. No insults or filthy talk must ever come from your lips. And stop lying to each other. For you have put off your old self with its habits, and you have put on your new self. The word reset, which is really just another word for reboot, that word reset is only found one time in the Bible. Did you know that? It's found in the Hebrew language in the Old Testament. And here's the background. We find it in the book of Isaiah. The nation of Israel has been beaten in war by the nation of Babylon. And when the Babylonians won the war, they took the entire nation as prisoners of war and they took them back to Babylon, which would be modern-day Iraq. So the entire nation of Israel was transplanted from Israel to Iraq as prisoners of war and they were going to be there for 70 years. They are depressed. They are displaced. They want to go back to their homeland. The Babylonians also destroyed the holy city of Jerusalem. So God's people are, are pretty discouraged. They're in the middle of this um, thing. God did not want his people to, to think that he had forgotten them or that he had abandoned them. He still loved them. And he was going to rebuild and reset their lives. And here is what he says to the people of Israel in Isaiah 54. This is God speaking, and he said, The mountains may shake. And the hills may crumble. In other words, everything may be falling apart in your life. But my unfailing love for you will never be shaken. And my promise of peace will never change, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. And then he turns to the city of Jerusalem as the great symbol of hope for Israel. And he says this, O Jerusalem, you suffering, storm-ravaged city needing comfort. And I would just pause right there and say, maybe that's what you feel like today. Maybe you feel uh, storm-ravaged and needing comfort. This is what God says. I will rebuild you with priceless jewels, and I will reset your foundations. I'll give you a reboot. I'll reset your foundations with sapphires. That's a metaphor. And what God is saying is, I'm going to rebuild you. I have not forgotten you. I've not abandoned you. I've never stopped loving you. We are going to rebuild you. We're going to rebuild your life. We're going to rebuild your city, but we're going to rebuild it on a new foundation. And that new foundation is precious jewels. He uses the term sapphires there. Later, he references rubies. Now, why would God build a foundation out of precious gems like sapphires and rubies? Because they are unchangeable. 
Those things don't change. Everything else can rust or rot or decay, but sapphires and rubies do not rust and they do not rot and they do not decay. Rubies are extremely valuable. A top-of-the-line ruby is incredibly expensive. A 35-carat um, a 30 carat ruby recently sold for $35 million. God says, I'm going to rebuild your foundations, not on stone, but on the most precious things on earth. More precious than gold, more precious than diamonds. So here's what I recommend this morning. I recommend that you listen to what God says uh, to Job and what God told Job to do and that you do that in your life. This is what God said to Job. Put your heart right. Reach out to God and get rid of evil and wrong from your home. Then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Your life will be brighter than the sunshine at noon and you will live secure and full of hope. He says like water under a bridge, it's gone. You'll, you'll remember it no more. I have been praying for you this week. And I have been praying that in the coming days, your life will experience a reboot where you will get a new level of living and all the old junk in your life that needs to be cleared out would get cleared out and you would have some clarity and you would have a new purpose and you would have new direction in your life, that the old things, the things that are bringing you down, the things that are causing problems, that you would find a way to make those things be gone in your world. It's over. It's forgotten. Get rid of those things. And then your life will be like the sun shining at noon. That's the expression that he uses there in Job. Most of you are believers, but we still have reboots in different parts of our life that we have to do. But some of you have not yet stepped across the line of faith in Jesus Christ. And if that describes you, then the last verse I want to read is specifically for you. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to pay attention to this verse. This comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. That is a reboot. That is a fresh start. And that is what some of you need. Some of you have listened to me this morning and thought, man, I'd love to have a reboot, but I just don't even know where to start. It starts by giving your life to Christ. It starts by acknowledging, I'm a sinner, I need help, I need to be forgiven, and recognizing that that's exactly what Jesus did for you on the cross. He came to forgive you and offer you the gift of forgiveness. The thing that you need more than anything else is to be forgiven. And you can be made clean today. All you have to do is acknowledge that Christ died for you to forgive you of everything you have ever done. And you will have the beginning of a great reboot, a starting over in your life. I hope you would consider doing that. For the rest of you, let me pray for you. Hopefully you've got an area of your life that you're going to start talking to God about and you're going to be looking for a reboot. Let's pray together about that. Father, we give you thanks that we can even come to you like this. We give you thanks that you love us and desire for us a better life. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be honest with ourselves as we look inward and as we start to evaluate those areas in life that maybe are not up to snuff those areas that, that could be better, and for some, whatever reason, 
there's a problem there. Lord, as we talk to you about those things this week, would we be honest and would we be able to hear your voice about what is the next step as you begin to do a reboot in us? I thank you, Father, that you love us that much. I thank you that you will not just leave us where you found us, but you take us to new and better places. And we know that that all happens because of Jesus, and it is because of him we can say we are children of God. Father, for the one who's never done that, I pray that you would impress upon them the importance of that decision. I ask all these things in Jesus' name.